want you to listen. Then what? Share it. The Melbourne Youth and Social Workers Group and the Knowledge on Tick podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Boonarong and Wurundjeri people, their elders past and present. We would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the land, her children and our families. We would like all of us to show respect for each other, Mother Nature and the creatures on the land and the sea. Hey everyone, the Melbourne Youth and Social Work Facebook group would like to welcome you to the Knowledge on Tick podcast. We are Josh and Nat and we will be your co-hosts for the potty. Knowledge on Tick is a podcast offering real-life conversations and insights every week with workers in the field covering a range of topics surrounding the youth and social work world. We are so grateful to have you here and happy listening. Let's do it. All right. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. I am Josh. And I'm Nat. And this week we are joined by Sam. Hi. Hello. So, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Could you give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself? Sure. So I'm Sam. I'm an older person. <laughs> I <had my laughs> Come on. You are not. 51st birthday this year. Mm. Um, I'm a mum of two bigger kids now, 20 and 18. Yeah. Um, I'm a serial volunteer. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it would be nice if it paid. Yes. <laughs> <at some> point, <laughs> but, but yeah, serial volunteer. So yeah, I sort of started volunteering at about well five years ago um, in a community-based um, project with um, kids in the police station. Okay. As an independent person. Oh, cool. Um, and from there, I did some mentoring as well, so with some young people. And, yeah, that kind of led me to do um, a certificate of youth work and AOD last year. And uh, in my school holidays, I went and volunteered at a rehab in Bali for 28 days. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. We'll we'll get into a few of those things because I'm interested to hear a couple about a couple of those points that you made. Mm. Um, but we start all our podcasts off with five questions. Yeah. Um, and the first one is, what did your parents do for work? My parents ran a ceramics business together. <gasps> yeah. That's so cool. I know. It was such a sort of '80s thing to do. Did they make it as well? Yeah, they did. Oh. And they so it was Mum's hobby mm. that turned into a to a bit of a corporation in our backyard kind yeah, right. of thing. And, uh, yeah, no, so she was an artist and she kind of got carried away with it. And then my stepdad, who is a businessman, sort of saw the opportunity to keep going with that and become a distributor of, you know, different ceramic-y things. This, mm. this isn't like where you tell us that you're secretly the heir to, like, the Maxwell Williams, like, <laughs> yeah. ceramic store, like... <laughs> Robert Gordon or something. It was. Like. <laughs> no. No, no, no. That's it why was, you do you know that volunteering, don't... isn't yeah. it? Because you're, you're a multi-millionaire. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> I like this. Correct. <laughs> yeah. We've got you now. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. It was that, like, you know, that Nana stuff. You know the ceramics stuff? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I love it. 
Yeah. You okay. can still do it too. There's yeah. some places around town that you'd still do it. Yeah, right. Mm. I've taken my nephew to go and um, do it, but just painting, like they've pre-made yeah. the actual mugs yeah, and yeah. everything and, and you just paint it and stuff. And I was actually really disappointed because my nephew's turned out sick and mine's shit house. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, really? How did the four-year-old beat me at this? But was that at the Robert Gordon factory? That was at Robert yeah. Gordon down in um, Pakenham. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Really nice. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just go in and you pick what you want to paint and you paint it and then they chuck it in the kiln for you and you pick it up like mm. two weeks later. It's so therapeutic though yeah. to take young people there and just sit there and just talk shit. Yeah. It's so good. And Just that place that has um, amazing sales. Yeah. And they've got a cafe with really, really nice food. Yeah. yeah. And it's in Packenham of all places, but ah. it's awesome. Yeah. There's yeah. one in Hampton. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Or called All Fired Up. Oh, and it's the same name. stuff. That's a good name. Yeah, it really that. is. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. The next one is who is the most well-known or famous person in your phone book? Yeah, no, I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> I went through it last night with my daughter and I'm just looking through it going, absolutely no one. <laughs> yeah, don't get out much. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, she did recall something that we talked about at Ikea the other day, which is the closest thing to, well, she's not in my phone book, but I thought she was in my phone book. Um, I went to Ikea <laughs> and... Hello, Ikea. And ran into this woman who I knew her. I knew her face. I knew who she was. She was a friend of mine from somewhere from school and, you know, I couldn't remember, like she was a parent of the kids or whatever. And she's looking at me. I'm looking at her and I go, oh, my God, how you going? She's going, oh, yeah, good. How are the kids? Yeah, great. No. No, seriously. Like she was talking to me like I knew her as well. So I thought, oh, my God, I wish I could remember her name. And at the checkout... I'm going, who is she? Roberta Williams. <laughs> that is absolute gold. And I don't know her. I've never met her before in my life. Yeah. But I really did think that I did know her. That's yeah. So... Yeah. Embarrassing, really. Hilarious. How though. funny, though, that she kind of like just Engaged. vibes she through did. you. She totally went with it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally went with it. It must happen to her all the time, though. True. Yeah. You'd think she would be recognised. All the time. I don't yeah. know if I'd recognise her though in saying that. Mm. Really? I oh, know you, you would. I just get people confused too easily <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that there was bad. Right. Yeah. We nearly became friends with Roberta Williams. Yeah. Which could have been cool, but also potentially a little bit scary. Yeah, I yeah. could have had her in my phone book, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah. There you go. Oh, um, no. What job wouldn't you do? Yeah, I would never work in hospitality, I don't reckon. Ah. Mm. Yeah. How come? I just, I don't know. My, both my kids do. Mm. And I remember when my da- daughter first started working and she spilt, like on her first night, she spilt like a plate of spaghetti and some kids lap <laughs> or and the dad cracked the sheets and she was like, she came home and she was bawling because the dad had, you know, totally, you know, given it to her. And, and ever since then she's just like... She's, people are so rude. Mm. and I, I'm such not, a shame. I know, right? And I'm yeah. not very good on rude people, people yeah. who can't. Nah, that would be hard. Empathetic to the 14-year-old waiting on your table. Yeah. Like, yeah. So annoying, isn't it? I think even when I've been out to restaurants and just observing the way that other people mm. will treat waitresses or, you know, people getting served at the bar, it's just so fucking rude. It is, yeah. yeah. It would be relentless. Yeah, I'd lose my shit. I reckon I would tell someone to use their manners. 
I would. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put up with it. Yeah. So I don't think I'd be very good at it. Whereas <laughs> my son, just like water off a duck's back, he couldn't. He doesn't care. Does right. not care. But my daughter takes it on board. I just, you know, call people out for bad manners. <laughs> mm. I could personally never do it because I'm too clumsy. Even like oh, that too. walking yeah. up here yeah, to yeah. start doing this podcast this afternoon, I literally fell over <laughs> coming down. Like not even, it was just flat surface. And someone's like, you're right. I'm like, just tripping over again. So I'd be, everyone would be wearing red wine and spaghetti yeah. and whatever else. So yeah. I just wouldn't, I couldn't. Yeah. I'd be a liability. <laughs> oh, so the next one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, I think, and I don't even know where I got it from. But it's only been, it's not that old. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think it came out of the five one love languages or something. Oh, yeah. Um, was don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them the way they want to be treated. Mm. Mm. Which is, I think we often get that confused. Yeah. About, you know, what, what where we're at and what we'll accept, whereas other people might not and they might not need the same thing. Mm. But, um, yeah, when I was in Bali, we actually did a, a bit of work around five love languages mm. to understand our own. Um, so I think it's really important that we understand what other people need. Yeah. That's Absolutely. a bit of my Buddhist practice as well coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I love that. That's a good book. I really like the Love Languages book. But it's also a really good point because it's often thrown around, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. Mm. Um, and you're right. It's not everyone's not one size fits all. Mm. Yeah. I've never thought of it like that. And it's funny too because to bring it back to like a youth work or whatever sort of perspective is we often talk about goals that we want young people to achieve. Mm. Exactly. But it's like, no, well, yeah, that's all well and good, but what goals do they want yeah, to exactly. achieve? Yeah, that's so, your goal, not theirs. Yeah, so yeah. I like that. And the love languages are really cool. I got introduced to them a few years ago and it's such a good um, tool to realise that that maybe someone's um, actions towards you aren't actually the fact, that aren't actually um, like negative. It's just that they may show their love or affection or care towards you in a different way. Exactly. And if you can figure out what that is, like there's someone in my life and their, their actions are giving and doing for you, but yeah. you won't get a lot of emotional or... Um, That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably me a little bit too. I think I'm definitely like action and I can't remember the actual Names. definitions from all of them, but mm. I think it's the giving. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to butcher it. What but. was it? There's giving, <coughs> I think affection, give, yeah, uh, acts, acts of, of service. service. Acts of yeah. service and um, communication. Touch. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. Um, and I think yeah. there might even be more in other literature and yeah, things now. Like yeah. there's a lot. But, yeah. yeah, it really helps you frame up for other people in your relationships and stuff, I think. It's cool. I even found it interesting after reading it then observing mm. people in my workplace or young people and being like, bam, yeah, oh, yeah, your love you language know. is this. Yeah. I know now. Yeah. That makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's so, it's so true. They've Even for me, not personally, but even in the work, being able to, you know, we often talk about connecting with young people. If you understood... Yeah. For example, someone's love language, mm. and it's not, I guess, because it's called love language, it seems yeah, yeah, inappropriate your, to relate it to a, a client. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But if you related that in the way that young people like to connect with other people, like, you know, if you've got a young person that, you know, no one ever tells them that they love them, mm. you don't have to say, oh, I love you to, to meet their love mm. language, but mm. it could be around figuring out what their love languages are, because generally you've got more than one, and how can you meet their need of connection mm. to best support them? Because exactly. often the people we work with have have no, um, you know, they, will, they don't have good connections with people and they're wanting to build those. Mm. Um, and you could do that 
utilising the, the love languages. Yeah. So I think if anyone's listening and you haven't read it, don't think it's just one of those self-helpy, wanky, learn-to-love-yourself books. Yeah. Like, it's actually quite, um, it's like, really clear text makes sense when you read it. You're like, mm. oh. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty basic. And then yeah, you recognise it in yourself just, as yeah. well yeah. and you can show other people how you you want to be treated as well. So it's good to know your own and how they feed into each other as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm. No, that's cool. I like that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and our last question is what was your aha moment? Aha moment. I've had a few. Mm. Um, I think the most defining one was when my daughter was 14 and we've always, we always got on and she was just going through this this moment where I felt like she was just unruly and <laughs> wouldn't do what she was told and it was, you know, getting a bit out of hand. So we went to um, Headspace and I sent her off there for her to go and get help because there's something <laughs> wrong with her. Yeah. <laughs> and I sent her there and she went for a couple of sessions and the uh, I remember the counsellor calling me in one day and she said, listen, we've got a problem. And it's not her, it's you. <laughs> I went, what? What do you mean? It's like, I'm the I'm the parent. And she goes, No, no, you need to you need to do something. You need to change up what you're doing. It's not working. You need to change. So I did um Ginny into teens mm. and sat there and paid attention to how I guess I wanted what we were saying before, like I, how I wanted her to behave mm. versus the way that she was gonna behave no matter what. I thought or the, you know, the me telling her what to do mm. but instead engaging and having conversations and laying out, you know, boundaries and and uh, rules and things like that when we were both calm. And so it gave me all these tools to, to I guess, work with her and I saw a really big change in her and, and I guess, our relationship. And so after that, I just sort of felt like, well, if I can do it with her, I can do it with other people as well. So mm. it was about me changing and realising that, you know, back in the day the way I got brought up as a kid was, you know, really fear-based and heavy-handed mm. and I had to learn a new way to parent because that's mm. not, you know, you can't do that anymore. You can't beat your kids anymore, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So and that's how I got brought up. Yeah. yeah. You chased around the house with, you know, the feather duster and, <laughs> you know, getting back at it, you know, all sorts yeah. of stuff. But, yeah. you know, you, not that I would do that, mm. but we, I had to learn a new way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so I think that, that was the... it, yeah. I think like the community or like just generationally, like mm. we've all learned new pieces of information, like around like lawful chastisement, like smacking yeah. your kids and things. Like I was having a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about about our own kids. And I said, you know, I was always never one to want to smack the kids, like, any, like my kids, my own children. I'm being really clear here, you know, my clients. My own <laughs> He's kids. not just walking around slapping <laughs> random kids in the street yeah. up the side of the head for not using up. their manners. That's right. Um, but I said to him in this conversation, I said, but I have, you know, recently, you know, we've sort of as the developmental stages yeah. and we're sort of seeing some acting out and I have done it. And he, and he just said, stop it. He goes, the research shows it doesn't work. Like it's as simple as that, and it's a reaction of um, that's showing more about you than it's showing mm. than it's showing about the kids. Mm. And it's just so funny because I think that we probably didn't have, or at least it maybe wasn't so available or or researched enough around that kind of yeah. um, parenting yeah. back in the day. Mm. But we've learned now that that doesn't work, and that there are other <clears throat> are other strategies yeah. and things to consider and stuff. So it kind of makes sense that you maybe needed to go to that 
tuning into teens because the information we've got now available to us as parents mm. and things is quite different from what our parents and, and what your parents would have yeah. had as well. So that's really cool that you were sort of open to doing that as well. Yeah, I was about to say, it's actually really fucking cool that you were even open to going to do that because there is a lot of parents out there that wouldn't, it would be, that's that similar perception of, no, 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 it's not me. It's mm. my daughter that has the issue fix her, yeah. I'm not the problem. Yeah. I think there's there's a large element of bravery in in going in and partaking in in that program. I was and super, I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, no, it was good. But yeah. I was super defensive when she said it too. Yeah. Like I was felt, you know, quite affronted and I went, oh, my God, you know, there's nothing wrong with me, it's her. And I was like, I firmly believe that. Hmm. But then I, I don't know why, I think I just sat and had to think, about it but yeah it was just and it's not hard it's just having random conversations when you get that opportunity Mm. to Mm. and also you know um just consistency and boundaries and you know and making sure that you know if you do this this is the consequences yeah I'm not going to argue with you you know it's just the way that it is and it and it worked yeah yeah Wow, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> so you took that opportunity of, of doing the tuning into teens and then you've then made a decision to sort of um, like pivot your career in a different direction? Yeah, it was funny because when that happened, my, when our relationship sort of changed and um, and I guess there was a couple of other little things that had happened as well because she was 14 and running around the place and I was trying to keep herself so self safe. But there was a, a bit of a gang going around our area at the time and there was one particular boy who was just like would bash kids for their shoes and things mm. like that. And um, a friend of mine who was at the police station um, and she died, she'd only been working there for a few months and she came to me and said, can you keep, can you get all the kids that are, you know, good kids who are playing around on the streets at night time, get them to come to your place? Don't let them out because they're going to get hurt. They, you know, there's this particular gang that's around your area that chances are something's wow. going to happen. Mm. So she said, just keep them at home. So I did. Like, so if there was any opportunity that the kids were going to go out, I used to say, just jump in the backyard, you know, go mm. and get some drinks and, you know, just do what you're going to do out and about, but do it in the backyard. So that kind of having the kids around then obviously... I started to get to know the local kids mm-hmm. and started to know what, you know, what was going on for them and some issues around that. Then they all started to get into a bit of strife, as you do when you're 14, 15. Mm. <laughs> you know, they were all out graffitiing and tagging and doing whatever and end up in the police station. And these are really good kids. Like, they were, you know, some of them had issues. Yeah. And, and I felt really sad for them because they were good kids. Mm. So, anyway, I found this opportunity on SEEK, I think, didn't volunteer. I went, oh, my God, that's pretty awesome. I'd love to do that. So I applied for this volunteer role to support kids in the police station and I did that and um, that was really, really cool. And I just wanted to keep going. Mm. I still wanted, I wanted to make a difference. So that's what I did. I did that for a while and then volunteered um, with mentoring and it just progressively moved from there. Then I went to TAFE, obviously, and did my AOD, which I didn't intend to do, but it was a part of the youth work course last year. Yeah. yeah. So I did that. And at the end of the course, I just thought, I, I want to know more about, like, rehabs and things like that. And to get into a rehab 
to do volunteer work here was really hard, you know. Mm. It was like you can come in for, you know, three hours on a Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, I've got two months and I'm and I'm thinking I, I want to go and volunteer, I want to help, I want to do something. And there was no opportunities in Melbourne. Mm. And, you know, Bali's my most favourite place on the planet. And yeah. I thought, what if I, <laughs> what if I could... Mm get into a rehab in Bali and have a holiday and run away and work that in together. So that's what I did. Mm. I love that. Before you talk about possibly the smartest move in terms of a volunteer placement that I've ever heard of, I want to just jump back a second because I think um, that a lot of people may not know about the ITP programs that run in police stations. So... To clarify for people listening that if you're a young person and it should be up until the age of 18, but I think sometimes I've had experience that 16 and 17 year olds may get interviewed without a third person, but there should be there should be a third person. Yeah, yeah. There should be, ideally, a third Always. person. Always, 10, yeah. 10 to 17. 10 to 17 yeah. or an adult with an intellectual disability. That, so there's two programs, and it's really funny. Even the coppers always get confused okay. with it. So there's two programs. One's for a, an independent person, yeah. which is kids from 10 to 17, and generally they're kids in resi who don't have a parent or a guardian. Mm. So some of the cops also get confused about, you know, someone who works like a resi worker or whatever is a, a guardian. They're not. Yeah. Mm. Um, so uh, IPs, independent people, are mandated to sit with a young person during a police interview when they don't have a parent or guardian. And then you've got the independent third person, which is ITP, right. which is someone with an intellectual disability. So that's kids and adults. Yeah. Um, and they can be victims and or, you know, or perpetrators or, you know, who anyone making an interview, doing an interview. So yeah. there's two completely different programs. Yeah. Yeah, one's run by the uh, public advocate okay. and one's run by YRIP. So they're two completely separate. Things. Okay, yeah. yeah. I just think right. it's important for people to know because I think sometimes yeah. young people get arrested and they yeah. they might not fully understand the process yeah. for, for their young people and it's even more tricky because you literally have the physical barrier of the police station counter and everything and your young people, I remember when I first had experiences of young people getting arrested and being in the police station, that there was so, you felt so kind of powerless to kind of understand what was going on for them. Yeah. And I think it's good to know that, that, um, that especially after hours and things that they should have and almost guaranteed to have an independent person, person yeah. that will sit with them through the interview process and I think almost all the way through potentially all the way through until they're picked up and things yeah, as well, right? They, yeah, like yeah. You guys hang around and, yeah, yeah. and sort of support the young yeah. person so that they're treated fairly by the police. And yeah. you will also advocate to for the young person that they understand the questions being asked to them by the police as well. Is That's that, right. Is right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, every volunteer is oh, highly trained. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they really are. There's a lot yeah. of time that goes into, a, into that position. Um, you know, there's like 25 hours of online learning and then there's whole days of training and, you know, that that you'll never be sent out to a police station, you know, unless, you know, that, um, that everyone feels that you're 100% good to go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. There's, yeah. So, yeah, it takes, I think you've got to be um, quite a, a resilient person to do it. Mm. You've got to be really... Um, you really have to sit 
in the middle between the police mm. and the young person. But it's just a, it's a fantastic opportunity, you know, to to obviously hear what's going on for a young person and make referrals at a crisis point, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, sometimes it takes a crisis for a young person to accept, you know, a referral like that. Yeah. For sure. And to, I guess, put it in really like a snapshot, I guess, would it be like, like they'd say to you, hey, you're on shift tonight from 9 till 3 and you just get a call in the middle of the night to come in or do you sit at the police station? Or No, you, you go on roster, so you, yeah. have, um, you, can, you have to have at least one uh, shift a week, which is a 12-hour period. So it's 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So right. depend on, you know, where you want to where you want to sit in that. Mm-hmm. So, and if you don't want to, you know, take a call, you can take yourself off the roster and put yourself on another time and, you know, it's pretty flexible really. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll get a call from the call-out centre and they'll send you, so the police will ring the call-out centre and the call-out centre will contact you. Right. And um, so then you can work out if there's, you know, if you if there's a conflict or whatever and if you're good to go, then you go out, yeah. Yeah. I'm just asking because I know that heaps of people ask on the Facebook page about volunteering opportunities when they're mm. studying yeah mm. and so that's something that they could feasibly yeah, do yeah. like 6 till 6 p.m till 6 yeah. a.m is something that they could yeah. feasibly do and absolutely and coordinate their study at the same time mentoring's a fantastic way to to get into the, you know yeah that kind of role as well yeah, because yeah, the mentoring programs i'm not sure what ones are sort of up and running at the moment because it seems to change the different services yeah. that run them but it's kind of like that sort of same vibe like you might get partnered up with one or two young yeah. people and you just make time in the week, whether it's a few hours here or there, and yeah. do whatever it is that's agreed, right? Yeah. 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 That's cool. And I think so, depending on who you, I guess, you volunteer for, there's that flexibility to work out those times with that young person as well. Yeah. Mm. And be a bit more autonomous after a little while. Yeah. Yeah, cool. It's good. Now, you figured out what I described before we started recording the podcast as the golden ticket. Yes, you did. You volunteered at a rehab in Bali. Yeah. That is... Very cool, very smart thinking on your behalf. <laughs> and a very quick way to yeah. instantly make people jealous. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, it was a bit of a spur of a moment kind of decision because I knew that, you know, I would go crazy if I had to sit still for two months doing absolutely nothing waiting mm. for the start of... Um, the start of the new school year so I just thought I've got to do something so it sort of meant, made sense to me to do that so I just reached out by you know I had I googled all the rehabs over in Bali mm-hmm. and um had a look at you know all the, I think there's there's quite a few of them though um there is there is quite literally millions of them mm. um and sent out a few um quick letters saying I'm looking to volunteer um, and the one that I applied for, they got back to me straight away and said, we'd love you to come over. It would be great if you could come over. And wow. I, initially I thought I'll just go, they'll probably only want me for a couple of weeks because I'll be in their way. <laughs> and uh, the <laughs> clinical director said, no, we want you to come for a month and, you know, can you run some wellbeing um, training sessions and, you know, can you do this? And I'm thinking, Really? Yeah, it was How really, cool really cool. It was the best, yeah. It was the best thing ever, I ever, ever did. It really was. It was awesome. So talk us through, because you obviously, so you've emailed them, you've, you've got in contact. How long How long was it between them sort of saying, yeah, come over and you booking the flights and being on, on your way? Uh, probably 
two weeks. Oh, wow. wow. That's cool. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah. It happened really quickly. That's so cool. Um, but they were they were keen they were keen yeah, for yeah. it so I think that you know they would be happy to take volunteers from anywhere really yeah um, as long as you you know you obviously study you've got an interest in it you know you you it's a part of what you're doing yeah um yeah they they're absolutely up for it wow. so yeah whereabouts in Bali was the the rehab that it was you... in Sunhua which I never I'm a bit of a Bali goer and I've never sort of spent much time in cinema. Right. So Where, the, even that was like a bit, bit of fun, going somewhere that I hadn't been before. Mm. Geographically, I'm very challenged. Mm. I've only been to Bali once. Yeah. And I stayed in Changu. Where's <laughs> That's not Bali enough. Yeah, come on. We figured out, I think, through chatting, it was north of Kuta by, yeah, it's like, north. by it's tw- 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes north from Denpasar. So that where the airport is, yeah, yeah it's yeah. twenty minutes up. Right. Instead of going down to everywhere else, down left, you go up north. Right. Yeah, but it's about a twenty-five minute bike ride. Okay. Yeah. And anyone can go because I know for me in the AOD foot, I reckon it was probably about three years ago. It was like the hot thing for um, young people's families to just be shipping them over to Bali to go to rehab. Um, and I mean, like, I'd be more than happy to go and participate that in that in Bali <laughs> for sure. Um, but I'd make it... my drug my drug problem worse for a little while. I reckon <laughs> my family were going to offer for me to go to rehab. They're like, all right, I could figure this out. I might start dropping seeds now. Oh, yeah. I've got a problem. I've got a problem. Yeah, yeah. I think I might need help, guys. And... I'm out of control. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Bali can save me. <laughs> I, I don't think it. they'd go for it. But um, so it's obviously quite costly because it's private. Yeah, but then would so, be cheaper because it's in Bali. Well, yeah. It's Is that, it? Well, I don't know. I mean, honestly, for for the, I guess, the support that they got and the level of care and all the things that was that were available to them, mm. I think it was 15000 for 28 days. Okay. Mm. But it was amazing. Like, And to put that in context for people listening, a private like rehab over here could be up to 10 grand a week. So that is pretty uh, yeah, cheap. Okay, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the, the private rehabs vary, but, yeah, you can be looking yeah. up to like $10,000 a week here. Yeah, wow. So, so comparatively it makes sense that people would be paying $15,000 yeah. for a month and shipping people well, we, over to Bali. We had a chatted about the rehab stuff like just in, in conversation and when you think about $15,000 for a month in Bali, like you could potentially spend $15,000 for a month in Bali anyway. Yeah. Like a whole month of accommodation and food and outings and things. And I know it's not the same as going on holidays. <laughs> I don't think it's like a Going holiday. to a rehab. <laughs> but, yeah, I just thought, oh, it's not, you know, it's not crazy. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah. But that's an no, interesting perspective though. in yeah. general, though. Ten grand about a week for a private one yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. I love that, that sentence because often, you know, there's lengthy wait lists for withdrawal stays and for rehabs over here and often, you know, magistrates will say, well, they have to go to rehab. And my favourite comment back is like, well, if you're ready to front the costs and go private, then we can get them into a rehab now. Unfortunately, this is the public system. We have to wait. Yeah, yeah. What is the current wait on a, to get into, like, say you you put someone in today, do you think rough, like, uh, putting them on the spot, but... Yeah, it completely fluctuates. Like, I couldn't even give you a number purely because, depending on how many beds a facility has, generally two to three months is a a pretty standard if they're busy. Um, But what can happen is that, you know, they might do, for example, if a detox does admits on Tuesdays, and on Tuesday they're admitting six kids and no one rocked up. Mm -hmm. So then they 
that's six people off the waiting list. Yeah. So it significantly fluctuates, like, daily. So yeah. you actually can't give, um, yeah, a, a real clear indication of that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they can be quite lengthy. And especially f- for me, because I work in the youth sector, um, there isn't as many detox and rehabs op- options as there are for adults. So adults might be less time, I'm not sure. I don't refer to adult rehabs um, or detoxes. But for ours, because it's youth and there's not too many options out there, that the wait lists are lengthier. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. Mm. Yeah, right. Um, for people listening and for myself, to put it in perspective, so the Bali, bear with me, but like a typical Bali hotel kind of has like big gardens, the foyers are kind of open and there's lots of tile and like really beautiful spaces. Does the rehab have a similar vibe to that? Yeah. Yeah, it's almost, it's like, uh, well, for anyone who's been to Bali and you can go, you know, with 27 members of your family and mm. stay in a big house, you know, and you've got staff and stuff like It's like that. It's right. like wow. a big old villa mm. and with a common space um, basically where they run um, all the group work and stuff and everyone's got their own room with, you know, all their own bathrooms and what have you and they all meet downstairs in the common area or, you know, there's a separate dining and then there's the pool and the gym and, yeah. Is it sort of like, I'm going to use the wrong words here and Josh will laugh, but like contained quarters in the sense that you're there to be in rehab, can they just nick off? No. Right. Well, they can. if they. So there was always um, everybody understood that they weren't held there against their their will. So if they wanted to leave, um, then that could always happen. But they couldn't just walk out, obviously. You know, it was a gated area, which is not unusual in Bali either. Every, you know, little home or big home has got big high fences and electric gates and things like that. So that's not that unusual. So it doesn't stand out. Yeah at all for, you know, as a rehab or anything like that. Nobody actually really knows what it is and what goes on. So, mm. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't meet any famous, not that you'd say because that would uh, breach confidentiality, but I yeah. would assume that some pretty famous yeah. people would go to Bali to go to rehab. I could mm. say, though, and yeah, obviously I can't say names, but yeah. so a part of, of the rehab that I was at was 12-step waste so you know we'd have every night we'd go to a different meeting at at different parts of the island and I remember one morning I'd missed the meeting the night before and in the morning I turned up for meditation first thing and the guys came running down the stairs and gone oh my god guess who was at NA last night oh no (laughs) and it was like a pretty big Hollywood star had, had wow. yeah, and they were laughing because they were saying, oh, doesn't that look like so-and-so? No <laughs> oh, not realising it was the actual person. Yeah, yeah, and they were laughing. And, like, one of the guys there who was just hilarious, he was the funniest bloke, went and sat next to him and goes, oh, my God, do you know who you look like? <gasps> and the guy was laughing, like laughing. That is hilarious. And then when, it, you know, it came to standing up and stuff, he said... I am uh, uh, from California. No. <laughs> and they lost it. Yeah, it was so funny. That was so exciting. Yeah, wow. That would happen all the time, though, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like it's a big, even when you think, like, I, I think about, um, like, Thailand and Bali, 
it's, you know, people go there to get cheap surgeries. Mm. People go there for cheap holidays. And now, (laughs) like, there's, like, yoga retreats, rehabs. They're they're very, like, these boutique-y sort of niche, um, I guess, programs that they've come up with. And they've they've nailed it. Like, they're getting Mm. the numbers. But you would work on the healthy assumption that, like I think if I had an, an endless supply of money and needed to go to rehab, I'd go to Bali or Thailand. Yeah, 100%. So, of course, famous yeah. people would. Mm. There's that really famous one in um, California. Oh, that's uh, the, what do you call it, clinic? Um, Something. Uh, what's it? It's a lady's name. Yeah. <laughs> not Betty Ford. No, yeah, not no, Betty Ford? No, it's. Um, it's the something Ford Clinic, though, I think. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. Okay. Maybe Betty Ford was back in the 70s or something. Yeah, it was something, it's something Ford. Yeah. You said Betty and now I'm all I'm thinking about is better Crocker. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the sort of, um, like, what's a day look like in in of a client? Would you say a client? Yeah, I think client is probably. Patient? Yeah, cli- no, <laughs> a client. Yeah, and a client at the, the rehab. So yeah. what would they go through? The most awesome thing I well, and the reason why I I love Bali is because it's a, quite a spiritual place. And, yeah. You know, I think it's a place of healing and a place that you, you know, it doesn't matter how, you know, unhealthy you might be, you know, before you leave Melbourne, you arrive there and you feel like, yeah. you, you know, you're the healthiest person in the world. And it, it's just, <laughs> it's so good for healing, you know, in physically, mentally, you know, emotionally anyway. So... Mm. So much of that's incorporated into what happens in Bali. And this is a really weird thought that I actually had last night as I was going to sleep, is if I was ever going to do rehab in Bali, I would want it to be in a summer month in Melbourne. So I came back and didn't have that whole... You know, you when you come back from holidays yeah. and you're quite depressed. Yeah. That because so much you get so you feel so good about yourself when you leave rehab. Well, I felt great and I wasn't even a client, but <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just and coming back and it was warm and you felt really good about yourself. You could still go for walks and keep up your exercise routine and you felt good and everything. For sure. It was really, I think, is a really important thing that well, yeah. If you if you need to go to rehab, do it. It's a, instead of coming back in winter and it's shit yeah. weather and it's oh, cold absolutely. and you feel like crap. When and... I came back from the states, it was summer there and it was winter here mm. and it was fucking horrific. Yeah, mm. I was like sitting in my house with my heater on forty, <laughs> like shaking. It's so true though because it's that continuity of things and even just the humidity and the and the warmth mm. to come back to something like that. Yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you'd do that. But, but they were very structured, so you know every mm. day was. You know, at 7 o'clock, up for breakfast. Then you had half an hour of um, IT time um, to contact your family. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that sort of worked with Australia time and stuff like that. So, yeah, half an hour of that. And then we would have a 45-minute meditation session. Um, and so all the peer workers would do a meditation se- session. They were amazing. Like, the peer workers were incredible. They so knowledgeable and you know they they were just so passionate about what they were doing so they were across the board with everything so they would do the meditation sessions and then there would be an education session so you know around recovery relapse um you know all that sort of education stuff then there would be a well-being session and so every day was a different kind of day there'd be yoga 
Um, and then everyone had a choice of whether they had a massage or they might get their nails done or something, nice. yeah, some self-care in there as well. And then every evening they would have dinner and then go off to an NA or an AA meeting. So, um, and then come home, another meditation and you to bed. And it was the same thing, like, every day. On the weekends there was... A, um, there was always like a special day that you could do something and everybody would sit around and decide what they were going to do. So there mm. would be like five choices thrown at everyone and they could negotiate between themselves what they wanted to do. So whether that was paddle boarding or going to the waterfalls or something, you know, fun for everybody to do. So, uh, so you, you could leave the rehab in an organised fashion, like on a day trip or something. Yeah, so everyone would have to do it together. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I just because when you were talking before about that you can't leave and I, I knew that oh, your sorry. question yeah, you that was go. about yeah. like trying to like leave or quit, you know, quit the program and leave, but yeah. but you could leave to go out and because yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, you're in Bali. Yeah, yeah. Like, You'd want to yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah I 100%. do wonder and it might be a silly comment, but how many Balinese people would themselves attend like NA or AA, right? Because the ramifications of drug use over there are so huge, yeah. Mm. Like their laws and all of that, and also, I mean, the police are a bit corrupt. Yeah, I feel like if you haven't gone to Bali and bribed a police officer, what haven't you? (laughs) So then. It's interesting, isn't it, that it's sort of like this this big thing that's been built in Bali now for people from other countries <laughs> mm. to come and, and get clean, but people in Bali wouldn't access something like NA or AA. And I wonder whether that's because there isn't as high of a problem or if it's because the problems are so kept under the rug because how astronomically harsh the laws are Yeah, that's over there. It's funny, while I was there, NA meetings were actually legalised. They've oh. been going for a long time. Wow. But they're illegal. But they're illegal because it's not supposed to be any narcotics. Wow. at all, which, you know, I mean, it's obviously not about selling narcotics. It's <laughs> yeah. a meeting. Yeah, this is a business yeah. strategy meeting yeah. around So there. it was actually legalised while I was there in December. So that was pretty. Last year? Yeah. That's wow. just huge. I mean, and like I say, they were, they were happening anyway. But um, I... I Obviously, I've years of going to Bali. I have a lot of Balinese friends, and a lot of them have, you know, there's so much ice, and you know, they're alcoholics and whatever. But the idea of actually, there are rehabs for Balinese people free. They don't take okay. them up. Wow. Yeah, there's too much stigma attached yeah. to it in the community, so they just don't do it. Mm. One of our um, peer workers at the rehab, he was Balinese. He was amazing, mm. you know, just his stories were incredible. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's not really a done thing. There's not no. many Balinese. I wonder what the punishment would be. Like, imagine being a Balinese dude mm. and you've got a problem with drugs. Mm. And so I'm not laughing because I think the situation's funny. It's just a bit ironic. But you are going to NA you get busted at NA and it's illegal, so you can't be there. <laughs> yeah. And you get charged for attending yeah. an NA meeting for trying to better yeah, yourself yeah, and get yeah, off yeah, the drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's weird. It's just a, it's, is yeah. it an oxymoron? Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I think it is. Here's the contact info for Lack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Real time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got too much IT to um, turn on silent these days. That it's is my so bad. funny. 
Um, the lactomanes, is that what just came up? Looking yeah. after children? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, Sorry, I stole your thought with my Apple nah. Watch. Um, yeah, you have. It's fine. I was wondering, though, because this, is, this was part of a conversation we'd had previously, but I know a lot of ex, expats live in Bali, so we're, mm. I'm curious. So you've got um, the peer workers, and so I'm, I'm assuming then that a lot of them weren't Balinese if you highlighted one particular guy, the, the fact that he was Balinese. So other uh, other um Peer workers? Yeah, the peer workers. Where were they from? Sorry, oh, so... it's incredible. <laughs> so, yeah. I wish people listening could see Josh's face right now. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. It's good. Um, well, there's a huge amount of expats over there. Like it's yeah. huge um, and they're from everywhere really. So I think it was always interesting. Well, the first night we went to an AA meeting in, and I sat there. There were so many Americans. It was ah. like ridiculous. There is clients. Just at AA meetings, just yeah, right. checking in. So some uh, of them yeah, live sure. there. Some of them, you know, mm. are just travelling through. Um, but that, right. but there was literally people from everywhere, every yeah. country in the world. It was it was crazy. It was really good. But the most the beautiful AA meetings and NA meetings. So like there was one on Sunday morning, in um, where is it up near Uluwatu. And it's in this, like, this pavilion overlooking the water and the beach. Wow. And, nice, yeah. And it's just in the middle of nowhere with a little cafe next door that you could go and get brekkie and whatever. But you're sitting there during the meeting just going, hey, what's this? Like, yeah. what, why, why would you want to leave? Yeah. I'm kicking myself. I might go back to study. And then do my do my student placement over at a rehab in well, Bali. You know what I reckon, if you just rang or you know emailed anybody and said mm. I'd love to come over, they would take you. They really would. They're so welcoming. Like literally, you know, I didn't know these people from the bar soap, and they helped me get some accommodation, you know, and helped me work my way through um, how I was going to do it, where where to stay, and stuff like that. I found my own accommodation, but they. They're amazing. So I stayed in a little homestay and it was like cheap as chips. Like it's like 20 bucks a night and you get breakfast and it's really, really good and caught Gojex because I don't, I didn't want to ride a bike because I would surely crash it. Yeah, because you, you mentioned this to me. I don't know if you heard of this. Can you share with everybody the Gojets? Gojek. Gojek. Yeah, Gojek. And it's Jack. like a, the Balinese Uber, but for a scooter, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it's a lot of scooters. Yeah. And it, I, oh, you've used it too. I had no, no idea. No, no, so I tried, when I was there, I tried to download the app, but it was all not in fucking English. And I was like, because <laughs> I didn't have my data on. I was only on uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah. It turned into a clusterfuck and we just got scooters instead. Yeah. I'd never heard of it, but you use yeah. that service every day Every day to yeah, get to work. Yeah, it cost me $1.20 for, for a 10-minute bike ride. That's so cool. Yeah. And I was on my own and I felt, like, totally safe. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. It was it was easy. It was so much fun. Mm. I loved it. I loved it. Every day I would jump on my Gojek, mm. you know, at 7 a.m., hang on tight and just yeah. and just do my, you know, gratefulness. Thank you, universe. I'm so grateful. <laughs> Please don't drop me in this price bill. <laughs> just get me there at my pace. Because you hear all the stories, you know. Oh, you, you do. Even yeah. Josh before I went, Josh was like, fucking don't do the four wheelers, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And you told me some horror stories. And then yeah. I was I remember I forgot our conversation. Mm. And then I remember 
doing, um, they made us do this figure eight thing in like this muddy water pit on the four wheelers. Mm. And it was as my bike like dipped down into this hole and mm. I'd, if I wasn't holding on properly, I probably would have gone over the handlebars. But it was in that exact moment that Josh flashed into my mind going, don't do don't the four-wheelers. Do and I was like, yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah. I was like panicking and then I literally was like, to do no more, I'm done. Get me off the bike. So crazy. Yeah, my dad nearly died. Like, yeah. nearly rolled over. Yeah. And then the funny part about that is that um, when I went to go visit him and my mum at hospital, they're like, oh, how did you get here? And I was like, I'm, I got a scooter. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> It was fine though. Totally got lost. But like I wasn't just by myself. The yeah. guy, the local guy got lost, couldn't find the hospital. I love that um, about locals though. The amount of times when I was there and we'd be evidently Westerners lost somewhere. Like we had some Balinese dude right up next to us and we was like, you guys lost? And we were like, yeah. yeah. And he was like, follow me. And yeah. we just told him where we needed to get back to. And he drove for like 25 minutes yeah. out of his way just to get us home. Yeah, it's They're pretty so cool. lovely. Yeah. Bali is such an amazing place and it actually it kills me because what's the date? You're supposed to be there. Oh, we're meant to be leaving in two days. Oh, it's so sucks. brutal. And just we're talking about it and, like, I could feel being in Bali as we were, and when, I, when I said, like, the open spaces and the tile because it's yeah, just that, yeah. um, uh, uh, like, unparalleled, like, just Bali do that thing, mm. like, with the cleanliness. Yeah. This, like, it's uh, – and that's another thing I actually, side note, love about it, is just how clean things are and how – they employ people to just, like, clean the roads and to do stuff. Yeah. Like, it's just always so, yeah, I just love that. But, yeah, we went to be there in two days and I'm just... Devastated. <coughs> oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely devastated. But that, I think the best thing about working over there and, and volunteering, but, you know, working over there is the same, really, is that it's just so cruisy and mm-hmm. chill and, you know, you don't feel like you're working, really, because yeah. it's just... It's just so relaxed and such a fantastic, you know, environment to to be in, you know, for recovery and for, for working. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's really, it's awesome. I wonder if you've got any, like, stories or, like, situations because I think of some of the people that I've worked with over the years in drug and alcohol, Getting one of them to sit on a plane mm. from, say, Melbourne to Bali, mm. but how, how long is that flight? That's sort of six hours if, yeah. you, if you're going slow. It's mm. maybe about five, actually. I couldn't tell you because I had an eight, like an 11-hour stopover in Singapore, but um, whatever the direct flight is, six hours, seven hours. No, less, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, to have someone mm. who's a pretty hectic substance user on a plane for that long, going through an airport, like all the things that mm. even like I go through the airport and they want to bomb swab you and I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck, do I have any bombs on me? <laughs> Obviously not, but it's yeah. just something you think about. Yeah, yeah. Imagine doing all of those processes that can be quite anxiety-provoking for a, for a general member of the public. And you got Imagine, Ch- Sorry. No, you go. Because we've got Chappelle Corby. Like <laughs> exactly. Every, but, but everybody have- knows that, that Chappelle Corby went to, she, I mean, we know she's free now, but she got life for potentially having the marijuana mm, like just yeah. thinking if I get um, like you said swabs for having yeah. like methamphetamine on me yes. or like just what could possibly happen and knowing that especially if you're in another country could with a system could the situation be misinter- misinterpreted yes and all of a sudden you know I don't know yeah and also in a system mm. where it's like death penalty yeah yeah they have to be so the rehab's flag airports okay yeah and right so they get clearance they get a direct clearance so that's so interesting i would never have thought you have to have a companion yeah to to 
go with you over on the plane. So, okay. maybe, so, they, so I don't have to have the drug addiction. I need to find someone, someone that's got drug the drug addiction, addiction and Correct. I can be their companion. Correct. Oh, my God. Can you get a drug addiction yeah. and I'll take you to Bali? <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. Sure. Yeah, because it's a big process, you know, um, from their end, from the rehabs yeah, end, yeah, of yeah. trying to get somebody over there. Yeah. So they do a lot of work with the families before they go over and they do a lot of work obviously with the person that's going over there to make sure that you know they're in they're, that they're agreeing to it that mm. they they want to stop using whatever they're using so mm. they've got to they've got to be somewhat on board well you would hope that they were 99.9 percent on board with it so they obviously scream for that so they have a companion to come over a family member to come over with them on the plane and it was funny how many people turned up just off their faces. Yeah. Like, had to be, you know, carried out of the car because they would just, like, go to town on the plane on the way over. Yeah. Um, well, um, and I just think because even for us when we have, it's a pretty common thing that people engage in a last hurrah yeah. before they yeah, hit yeah. themselves in Melbourne. Yeah. So that was, yeah, my train of thought around yeah. that for Bali was wondering how that would coincide. Yeah, they mm. do. Yeah. Sorry, Josh, I cut you off. No, no, you're good. I was, I've got two questions. I'm wondering, did most people come in substance affected from their like drug of choice or would they take like a prescribed medication to get them through um no they just drink i think oh they might drink yeah they just drank drank on the plane yeah that makes sense which was really interesting though because i think the drug users found it a lot easier in rehab than the alcoholics so every day we would go for a walk or every second day. We go for a walk along the beach, mm. which sounds pretty harmless, but as you're walking down mm. the pathways... Bing tang, bing tang. There, there's all these resorts mm. and bars and stuff on the beach and there's grog everywhere. Mm. Yeah. So you can see someone who's like, who's just turned up, who's detoxing, you know, and they're on diazepam and they're walking mm. past. They've got the DT shakes. They've got the shakes. Yeah. They're literally grey. Their mm. temperature goes up, you know, through the roof and they feel like shit. They're, and imagine you know, having a high temperature in Bali. I, it's, <laughs> one guy had one for two days at 41 and oh, couldn't God. get it down. Like it was such a it's worry. Hard. Like it was crazy. But, yeah, going through all of that and then going for a walk mm. and you have to do it. Mm. That you, You're not going to... You're not staying home. Yeah, the right. nurse, yeah. the nurse will walk behind and drag you along yeah. for the walk. But that exposure of being mm. around, it's you know, it's not done by accident. Mm. I guess because alcohol is so freely available. But yeah. oh, it's everywhere. Yeah, it is. You can pay someone to deliver you a bintang on the beach. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You wow. can get anything delivered to the, you know, to the rooms and the, to the. To the rehab and everything, so you just got to, um, yeah. It's really interesting how, I guess, the approach to it is that acceptance that it is around, but you you can't do it. Mm. You've got an addiction, so and that's twelve steps too. Right. It's not harm reduction. It's mm. you don't do it. Total abstinence. So yeah. How do you feel about the twelve step program? Oh, interesting. Well, I haven't. To be fair, I haven't had a lot to do with harm minimisation either. So, yeah. like, and I'm no expert on it. I've not ever worked in AOD. I've volunteered. But I'm a spiritual person mm. and I think, you know, I think 
not that it's a God thing, but I have a belief of something outside of me and I find that really interesting and I love the 12 steps. It makes sense to me. Yeah. But people and a lot of people who are in rehab who, who don't have faith or don't know how to have faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I used to say you can have faith over a doorknob. It doesn't matter. It's got to be something outside of you mm-hmm. that you give that you know, you surrender the control over to. I'm sounding like someone from AI, aren't I? I swear no. I'm not an alcoholic. I've joked with... <laughs> no, no. no. We know we've been spending our time after five. Well, well, I'm doing coffee, smoke and dance. You know that funny thing? I would get to rehab everybody and everyone would go, she drink last night. Did you ever be in town? Did you? Did you? Because they want to hear did about you. Whether what you did you do? Did, yeah, living like, vicariously yes, through seriously. you. Seriously, that's yeah. so funny. So I would get home at night time, and I would buy my two bin tags on the way home. Yeah. yeah, and sit on my balcony and have it. And I felt so bad. Like I'm just going very cheeky. Yeah, that's funny. I shouldn't be doing this because, like, I went to Bali in July before mm. and was smashed every night. <laughs> well, not smashed, you know. I'm You're a mother. I'm a mother. Yeah. <laughs> you get smashed every night. Like I would see, I had a good time, you know. Yeah. And mm. to go and go, well, I'm, that's I'm not being that person now. I'm taking this really seriously. It was really weird. Mm. Mm. Felt really cagey. Can they smoke? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. do they smoke? Yeah, yeah. Dollar twenty a packet. I know. Right? And they go what through a bargain. About my kids smoke when we go to Bali because they're so cheap. Oh my god, <laughs> your kids. <laughs> but this got the strawberry ones and the. Did you get those? I accidentally got no. the clove ones and I was like smoking oh, one of the them. Best. I was just in a hurry and we. I went to this tiny little convenience store. I can't remember what they're called. There was heaps of them. Anyway, and and yeah. I wanted Circle K or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just wanted normal smokes, like just whatever. But sh- she thought I meant menthol and I, and so it just got to the point that I said anything but menthol, just anything but oh, menthol. So she gave, so she gave me these clove cigarettes and so I was smoking them and, and I thought at first they were a bit weird because they were thin hmm. and then I and then when you took a drag, it like the sweet, like hmm. on your lips and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> so all these sweet tastes on my lips and one of my friends actually that I was in Bali with me said, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, man, it's yeah, like on my lips. I don't know what this is. <laughs> And I've still got them because I could only smoke one of them. Yeah. They're I, weird. They are weird. No, oh, just like, ugh. Rand, a random story about those mm. is that you can buy a deck of those for, I, I don't know how much, like it was like $10 or oh, something. Oh, like a carton? Yeah, a carton. Yeah. And some, obviously, I don't know who, which children they were, <laughs> but my daughter went on schoolies and she said, a mate of hers had bought like all oh, the no. like, cartons and was selling them for 25 bucks a pack. But they were the clove cigarettes. <gasps> but they were the clove oh, ones. No. And because all these kids love barley and a clove cigarette, they, this kid made a oh, million dollars out of, yeah. That's 20, hilarious. Because he would have paid dollars sixty yeah. a packet yeah. and selling for 25 I They're thought you were going to so say cheap. that they hated them. Like they were no, all they trying to flog them. them off and they hated yeah, them. Because oh, no. Everybody loves a barley ciggy. That's hilarious. I don't yeah. like them, yeah, no. That's so funny. They're mm. just, it's so cheap, you can't say no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my other question, because I'm curious, which is why you ask questions. Is um, it? Yeah. It's weird. I thought you asked questions because you were <laughs> disinterested. <laughs> is, was there a common theme in the support person? Was it, or was it a partner or a brother or a sister or a friend? I'm just curious sort of who might come yeah, over. Interesting. I think it was lots of different people. Okay. And it depends to where that person is with their addiction as well and how many people don't want a bar of them anymore. Yeah, it was really interesting to see who came over. So, like, 
some of them had their parent, their dad, or, you know, um, not many had mums, brothers. There was a lot of brothers that did it. Um, you know, and it's interesting to hear, like, the clients talk about how their family member packed their bag for them mm. the night before and how they didn't know what was in their bags. And, mm. you know, it was... It, it kind of... It breaks your heart to yeah. think that that you would have to pack your mum's bag because she was incapable of doing it. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. she was going somewhere that she didn't really want to go to mm. and, yeah, it's sad. It would be such an extraordinary feat because I think about my own experiences and my colleagues' experiences of just getting a young person to detox here. Yeah. So just just the process of picking them up from home in the morning and dropping them at the detox is actually such a tricky process because you've got, you know, depending on where you're travelling from, but you've got about an hour of travel for them to ruminate mm-hmm. yeah. on, on their thoughts and not want to be there and to backtrack and try to get out of it. And that's just under a tr- an hour's travel. Imagine an hour's travel to the airport then a flight from the airport to Bali, there would be so much option to run run and yeah. freak out. Yeah. So for the support person that's actually taking um, the client over there to participate in rehab, that would be such an astronomical effort. Huge, huge yeah. effort. And it's really, you can see, you can see fear in, you know, in a new person. They would take technically sort of kind of arrive at night time as well. They wouldn't arrive in the morning. I don't know whether that was strategic or the flights or whatever. But, you know, I would be leaving, you know, about five or six o'clock and they would roll up and you or you could hear like it was <laughs> everyone trying to contain them because they're, you know, they're pissed, they're out of control. They don't want to take their phone. You, you know, you can't do this to me. You can't go through my bags and stuff like that. So they were so heightened. Mm. And then next day turning up and they were so meek and yeah. quiet and and then it takes probably a good two weeks for everyone to start coming out of their shell and really accepting that they're there, which is kind of makes it a bit of a shame that in that 28-day period that you've probably got a, a good week of detox because mm. you're out of it for that week. So the other three weeks are just catching up on the, the first week that you missed anyway. So mm. I always sort of... There was one... one client who I really loved but I knew would struggle when they got home and and I begged her you know if is it sell your car do what you got to do please you know I think you really need to stay and um that person said no I'll be okay I'll I'll be fine and then crashed soon she got home Mm. yeah so her and I kept in touch um and she, she was in a really dark place because she had this amazing experience, you know, and she felt so bad that she couldn't do it and felt like a failure. Yeah. And she ended up in a public rehab and for 28 days. And she said, I wish I had stayed. I wish I had made that, that choice to stay instead mm. of you know, coming back. But you can see, you can see people. So people, you know, it's the same anywhere. They tell you what you want to hear when, mm. they're, when they don't want to take accountability for themselves, I guess. Yeah. For sure. Breaks your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a full medical team at the yes, rehab? Yes, there really is. So there's, yeah. a, there's the clinical director um, and there's 
uh, a bunch of psychologists as well. There's some counsellors. There's a there's a doctor. And there's quite a few nurses as well. Mm. So there's a lot of support workers and peer workers and things like that that work with them. So the nurse obviously goes with them everywhere they need to go. Mm. But they have full checkups every single day. Their medication gets evaluated every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reason I was asking because you were saying about um, people having an issue with alcohol being the pro- in in the program, um, and the reason I was asking is because that that process of withdrawal from alcohol can be so bloody dangerous. Yeah. yeah. In a matter of time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's kind of a re- really time poor, scary space. Yeah. I guess for someone who's got an issue with alcohol. Well, there's a. It was situated. The rehab was situated right next to the hospital as well, the international ah. hospital as well. So if there was anything really, you know. You were right there. Yeah. I yeah. remember because when when I was in Bali, there was an ambulance and we are in like peak hour traffic getting, I think we we're, were either going to Semenyak or coming back. And then there's this like normal sized ambulance <laughs> just with its sirens on in the middle of traffic. And we were like, He's getting nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. Like you would hate to be in Bali and have a heart attack and then be in that ambulance because mm. you're going to die. Mm. You're not getting to any yeah. hospital anytime soon. You'd be it's better just... off like strapping them across a scooter and like yeah. <laughs> hooking through traffic so or something. True, though. I remember the Lifesavers on Cooter Beach, like they've got the most decked out car in the um in the I don't know, station or whatever it is. And they always used to say to me, don't ever call an ambulance run up and grab a lifesaver and they'll come down because they'll be there in, you know, 30 seconds where an ambulance could be half an hour. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Full on. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. Really crazy. Um, we're, I'm curious, um, before we wrap up, if you could share with us your favourite hotspots in Bali. Yeah. Oh, what kind of hotspots? Anything. All of the above. Mm. Well, wow, there's so many places it depends on like i love uluwatu mm-hmm. um and sundays i think it's called now it used to be the old fins okay and it's got oh, this yeah. carriage that goes down a hill and the view is amazing the water is just like divine um that's really beautiful um and then seminyak oh my god the food in seminyak yes you just and you know they, don't, don't they call it like food street or something it's eight street. Eight street that's eight right street. Yeah, yeah. Street. yeah yeah that's amazing that you know and my cousin, he, I've met him over a couple of times over in Bali and he runs like Michelin star restaurants in New York. Like he's wow. yeah, all over it. And he goes, oh, my God, why would you go anywhere else? The food is so cheap and so amazing oh. over there. So there's a place called Bikini, um, which is in Eat Street. That's mm. amazing. I love going there. Okay. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. And then always, you know, you've got Ubud for... Um, waterfalls and yeah. high priests and mm. water ceremonies and you know it's amazing. It's a- the four wheelers if you wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> Car accidents. But there's so much that you know the islands are beautiful. You know, yeah. you just it's just the most relaxing place. Yeah. on the planet. Yeah. yeah, I loved. I remember walking out of the airport and I was like, Bali's my vibe. That's yeah. so good. And it was so, it was such a like we it took us a while to find our driver to get us to our villa. But even like I was a bit like, oh, where the is the dude? thousand people with signs, you couldn't figure no, it out. Couldn't yeah, find right. my name in the thousand <laughs> yeah, yeah. signs. To be fair, when we found him, he didn't have a sign. <laughs> um, 
But, yeah, even just stepping out, the airport was pretty fucking chaotic. It was hot straight away. Mm. I was a bit sleepy, didn't really snooze on the plane. But straight away I was like, yeah, Bali is my vibe. There's just something about that place. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about it too is that, like, I was on my own. You know, and I went out and I had dinner with myself and, you know, yeah. I occasionally friends would come over and I'd meet them in I was complete, I felt completely safe. If you want to find trouble in Bali, you can find trouble. Mm. But you no, can find no trouble doubt. anywhere, of right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. That's so, it. you know, as long as you you know your, your, your bearings, you, you keep your wits about you and don't go on motorbikes <laughs> late at night or anything like that. But if you do, always pray to the universe that you'll get you home safe. Just get some good insurance as well. Yeah. Well, don't, insurance doesn't cover it. No. No, not many of them do. They're right, yeah. No, yeah, no. I had to sign the waiver that said this doesn't cover my travel insurance or my yeah. travel insurance doesn't cover this or mm. something about an international licence. <laughs> something about it. Oops. <laughs> well, Just keep a pineapple in your pocket. Yeah. A fitty, I mean. Just one fitty. Don't yeah. give them more than 50 bucks. That's right. Yeah, just keep the least change. Don't, yeah. don't show you enough. Yeah. Um, but I would say, though, anybody who would want to go to Bali for rehab absolutely should. Like, yeah. I think, you know, it depends on, well, I can only talk about the rehab that I went to, but mm. they do so much work with the families back home while they're in, in rehab and they, you know, they person-centre everything and... You know, I, I couldn't imagine a, a better place, a, you know, a more relaxed, beautiful place to go to rehab. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. I would tell anyone to go there. Yeah, mm. cool. Mm. Nice one. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Josh wants me to get a drug addiction so we can <laughs> support I'll <laughs> well, have a feeling that probably your boyfriend will take you, to be fair. I was thinking about it afterwards. I was like, if there was someone that was going to take you, it's not going to be me. No, Josh, you first. But, uh, yeah. You would save him the trip, though, because she would have pissed Yeah, you don't want to go, mate. You don't want to go to Bali. You don't want to go. I'll take you. I'll look after her for you. Yeah, Bali's a rough place. Yeah, it's crap. You won't, <laughs> you won't enjoy it. Crap crap vegan food over there. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to listen to this and be like, fuck you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we finish last. We finish last. We finish every podcast with a final question. Um, and you've listened to some, so I sure, I'm sure you know what I'm about to say. But if you had any words of wisdom for uh, new people in the field or maybe some other people trying to regain their passion in the field, what would your best pieces of advice? Or people. Or people. Change their career path. Yeah. Yes. Like you did. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I'm still, I'm still learning every day about the different aspects and what you can do. Hmm. Um not just in youth work across the board, so whether mm. it's, you know, AOD or, you know, domestic violence or whatever, just volunteer. Mm. Give it a mm. crack, you know. Try, what is it, buy it before, try before try you before buy it. Try before you buy yeah. yeah, just try it, you know, yeah. and you might do it and go, oh, actually, I don't like it or, you know, I love it. I love it more than the thought of, thing I thought I loved, you know. I think you've just got to try everything and, yeah, find find your thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm, for sure, yeah. Awesome. I like it. Thanks heaps, Sam. Thank you Welcome. so much Thanks for joining, joining us. Thanks for having me. As soon as the borders open Anytime. up, we'll be able to get back to oh, Bali. Yay. Lock 100%. It in. Beautiful. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. Please like and share the podcast, invite your friends and colleagues into the group and get in touch if there are any guest speakers you'd like to hear from or any topics you'd like covered. Take care and enjoy your week.